Hello, City Church friends. My name is Taylor Sorensen. Along with my wife, Whitney, and our three boys, Lars, Boone, and Ari, we hope that this finds you under the mercy of our Father, full of the love of Christ, and equipped by the Holy Spirit to fight the good fight. Please stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 88 A Song, a Psalm of the Sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath Leonoth, a maskil of Haman the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you, incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. Selah. You have caused my companions to shun me, you have made me a whore to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Selah. Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you, in the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? Afflicted and close to death from my youth up, I suffer your tears, I am helpless. Your wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. They surround me like a flood all day long. They close in on me together. You have caused my beloved and my friends to shun me. My companions have become darkness. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. I'm Charles McKnight, the co-pastor of West Charlotte Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, where I pastor with your very own former assistant pastor, Drew Martin. And uh, I bring you greetings from Drew and our session and the West Charlotte Church family this morning. I also bring you many thanks uh, for the faithful ways that City Church has, has faithfully supported our work since its inception three years ago. We, we truly would not be where we are as a church today. Uh, especially here in the midst of the twin pandemics of COVID-19 and this new racial reckoning in our country. And so again, we thank you so much for your ongoing prayers and financial support of our work. I also want to just personally thank Mitchell Carter and your session for extending this opportunity for me to bring to you a word from the Lord this morning. And along with that, a big thank you to you all for listening right now, for letting me, or at least my voice, into your homes and lives briefly today. 
And my prayer for you this morning is simple, that God would use something I say this morning to encourage you in your faith, especially here in this uniquely challenging and dark time in our world. And I invite you now to pray with me towards that very end. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray just that, that you would use your word this morning and my meditations and reflections on it to encourage your people in their faith in the precise ways, Father, that you know we need. This we ask in Jesus' name, amen. As I mentioned earlier, the twin pandemics of COVID-19 with all of its health and economic and now educational challenges, plus the renewed struggle for racial equity in our country, has brought, to say the least, challenges for all of us in some ways over the past several months. And in neighborhoods like where our church sits in the under-resourced, mainly African-American, urban West Charlotte community, These twin pandemics have impacted communities like ours and churches like ours, which reflect the demographics of these communities. It's impacted us mainly by just exacerbating the already deep and historical challenges we've been struggling with. And as a pastor in a community in a church like ours, it's all required me to learn what it means to shepherd our people into a deeper and richer understanding of the critical role of lament in both our individual lives and in our corporate lives together as an intercultural church community. And of course, there has been no greater resource that we found to guide us in this lamenting process Then the book of Psalms. And I know over the past several weeks, y'all too have been exploring the the rich and guiding God-breathed worship resource that is the Psalms. You know, I often say to people that the Psalms are kind of like a sweet and salty trail mix for our souls, giving us the words our souls crave in both the sweetest and in the saltiest moments and seasons of our lives. As one theologian put it, the the book of Psalms is like a mirror to our souls, a mirror reflecting our highest mountaintop experiences, as well as our lowest, deepest, darkest valleys in our journey as God's people through this life. And as you know, again, those particular psalms that reflect our dark valley moments are known as those psalms of lament. And and Psalm 88, which is our text this morning, is is one of these kinds of psalms, a a psalm of lament. As hopefully uh, was already made clear to you just from the reading of this psalm, is, is that Psalm 88 is, to say the least, an emotionally dark psalm. A psalm so dark that it ends with darkness, literally with the word darkness. As a matter of fact, it could be argued that Psalm 88 is the darkest song or track on the entire Psalms LP. 
Which begs the question, why in the world would God include such a sad, depressing, dark song in his word? What unique value does God intend for a psalm like this to bring to his people, to bring to us this morning? Well, I think if nothing else, it should remind us all this morning that experiences of sadness and pain, the darkness of depression even, are part of the Christian experience. The life of a believer in this life is a life often littered with frustration and struggle, a life often lived in or around the edges of darkness. And I imagine that some of you are down in some sort of dark valley even right now. You heard the words of Psalm 88 being read earlier and you thought, man, these words touch, they touch right where I'm hurting. On the other hand, others of you, relatively speaking, may be more in a mountaintop type of season in your life right now. All things considered, things seem to be working out pretty well for you right now, even in the midst of a pandemic. And you've tuned in this morning feeling pretty good about life. And you're probably like, Dad, y'all really trying to bring me down this morning with all this talk of sad, dark lament. Well, brothers and sisters, whether you're down in the valley, up on the mountaintop, or stuck somewhere in between this morning, Psalm 88 is for you. If you're in the valley, or it seems like you're heading towards one, this psalm gives you some, some God-certified words to cry out to God this morning from that hard place where you are. If you're up on the mountaintop or seem to be heading up that way, this psalm reminds you that some of your brothers and sisters aren't up there with you this morning. And you need Psalm 88 to let you in on what they're feeling these days so that you can walk with them and pray well for them in their valley. But even more than that, you mountaintop people know that you yourselves probably had to travel through some valleys to get up there. And I'm sure you also know that if you just keep living a little bit longer, another valley is sure to be in your path as you travel through this life to the next. So all of us brothers and sisters need Psalm 88 this morning. And we especially need the specific reminder that it provides for us, namely, that in the dark valleys of life, God gives us permission to keep it real. To keep it real. To keep it real desperate. To keep it real honest. To keep it real determined. And to keep it real confident. Real, desperate, honest, determined, and confident in our prayers to him. First, Psalm 88 gives us permission to keep it real by keeping it desperate. 
desperate in our prayers. And we see the psalmist's desperation throughout this psalm. I think especially we see it in his repeated uh, lines where he says he cries out to the Lord. At the end of verse one, the psalmist says, God, I cry out day and night before you. And again, in verse 13, he says, but I, O Lord, cry to you. And as he's crying out, he he says in verse nine, I I also spread out my hands to you. And so we can picture the psalmist probably on his knees with his arms overextended and his fingers spread wide, crying and and sweating and, and screaming, begging the Lord to rescue him. Now, we don't know exactly the psalmist's specific situation, but it's clear that whatever it is, it's left him feeling unbelievably desperate. And he unleashes the fullness of that desperation to the Lord in prayer. Now, of course, we know uh, that we should always remember that God deserves the highest honor and reverence as a holy God that he is uh, when we're praying to him. But also at the same time, brothers and sisters, according to Psalm 88, God invites us to come to him with all of our own raw desperation. So practically, what does that mean? Well, that means that God is not waiting for you to get your thoughts all neat and together before coming to him. God is not waiting for you to compose yourself or to, you know, calm down before he'll hear your prayers. Brother, God is saying, I want you to come to me right where you are with all your desperation. Don't worry, I can handle that. I want to handle that for you. I want you to keep it real with me by keeping it desperate. But we also see that the psalmist not only keeps it real desperate, he also keeps it real honest. He's honest with the Lord about his struggles. And this raw honesty is seen nowhere more clearly than all the accusatory use statements that are peppered throughout this psalm. Beginning in verse six, the psalmist says, God, you have made me, it put me in the depths of the pit in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me. You overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. Then he starts it right back up again, right? In verse 16 saying, God, your dreadful wrath has swept over me. Your dreadful assaults destroy me. Verse 18, you have caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. It's your fault, Lord, that my companions have become darkness. The psalmist is raw and honest with the Lord, even honest with the Lord about his frustrations with the Lord himself. I'm sure, brothers and sisters, if we're honest, we know that there are times when we, too, 
get upset and we get upset and frustrated with what the Lord is or is not doing in our lives. I mean, if you're anything like me, sometimes you think, Lord, what's the deal? It seems like there's always a, another mess, always a, another problem, always another issue that I got to deal with these days. Money issues, relationship issues, pandemic issues. Lord, I am spent. I never seem to have enough, uh, enough time, enough resources, en enough energy to do what I need to do. I'm exhausted, Lord. My career is wearing me out. My kids are wearing me out. Lord, my parents are wearing me out. I'm wearing myself out, being anxious and worried about all of these things. And on top of that, Lord, there's those nagging memories from my past. The memories of the wrongs I've done. And memories, Lord, of the wrongs that have been done to me. Memories that won't seem to let me go. And to add to that, Lord, I, I just feel like I'm about to burst under the pressure of, of all of these responsibilities and expectations in my life. The, the expectations from my family, the expectations from my, my job, the expectations from, from this society and culture, your expectations of me, Lord. And stacked up on top of that are those sinful temptations that seem to be coming at me from every angle these days. And Lord, you know that the way I'm feeling right about now, I'm so tempted to just give in to them and hope, hope that at least for, for a moment, it just might numb the pain. And at least for a moment, it might bring some light to my darkness. Lord, I just don't feel like fighting anymore. I'm weak. I'm lonely. I'm sick. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, Lord. And if I'm honest, Lord, I mean, if I'm really honest, sometimes I'm tempted to think that if you really loved me, if I really was your son, if I really was your daughter, then there's no way, Father, You'd be putting me through all this mess. Brothers and sisters, if you've ever felt any of that before, feel free to say amen. And intellectually, right? In our heads, we know that our theology teaches us <laughs> that, of course, God owes us no good thing. And we also know that no matter how chaotic this life seems, God is still in control and that somehow he's going to work everything out for good. But sometimes that doesn't make the hurt go away, does it? It doesn't make the frustration and the anger and the feelings of loneliness go away. And brothers and sisters, God, through Psalm 88, gives you permission to pour out all your heart to him in prayer. You know, I think sometimes as believers, we forget that God already knows what's going on in our heart. We're not fooling him. 
As a matter of fact, he knows better than we do. He's God. He knows everything. He knows and he cares. Brothers and sisters, let us never forget that when you placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you were adopted as God's beloved child, and he is a good father, a father who will never, ever, ever be offended by his children coming to him with real honesty about the hurt we feel, even if the hurt we feel seems like it's coming directly from him. The Lord wants us to keep it real with him, brothers and sisters, by keeping it honest. And as we keep it desperate, and as we keep it honest, God also gives us permission through Psalm 88 to keep it determined, determined in our prayers to him. All throughout Psalm 88, we see evidence of the psalmist's determination in his prayers. We see it especially in places like verse one, when, when the psalmist says, God, I cry out day and night before you. And, and in verse nine, when he says every day, I call upon you. The picture here again is a, a brother on his knees all day, every day, 24-7, 365, 366 in a leap year, crying out to the Lord for relief, for healing, crying out for some sense of hope in his misery. He doesn't give up. He keeps on praying. He's determined. I think this should challenge us all this morning, brothers and sisters, to ask ourselves, how determined have I been lately in my prayers? What struggle in my life or in the life of someone I, I know have I given up praying about? All of us at some point, brothers and sisters, enter into those valleys of life where the struggle feels so hard, where the pressure weighs so heavy, where the dark clouds gather around you so thick that you're tempted to wonder, why even bother praying? What's the point? What's the use? My prayer for all of us this morning is that in those dark moments that God's grace would allow us to remember that the Lord has given us Psalm 88 with this picture of someone who remained determined to keep on praying, to keep on crying out, even when the Lord felt so distant, even when the Lord was so painfully silent. And that raises the million-dollar question for us this morning. What in the world kept this brother so determined? I mean, what was it that kept him praying even when the Lord was so painfully silent? Well, he was able to keep it real determined, brothers and sisters, because somehow he was able to keep it real confident. Confident that the Lord was the only one who could and who would save 
Him. You see, it's easy in a dark psalm like this to overlook the glimmer of light that it offers. And in the very beginning of Psalm 88, there's actually a a piercing light that pokes through the darkness of this entire desperate, honest, and determined prayer when the psalmist begins in verse 1 with the confident opening line, O Lord, God of my salvation. God of my salvation, the psalmist declares before praying anything else. And so when we read Psalm 88 in the context of this confident declaration of faith, we realize that the psalmist's frustration is actually not because he doubts God's power to save him. No, his frustration is exactly because he knows and believes that God has the power to do it. Therefore, the psalmist's desperation and honesty and determination is actually a sign. It's a reflection. It's a, a testament to his confidence in the Lord and in the Lord's promises. You know, my wife and I, Charlotte, uh, we have four kids. And anyone who's ever been around young children knows that one of the most dangerous things you can do is to promise a child something without telling them exactly when you plan to fulfill your promise. <laughs> if I tell my kids on a Saturday morning, hey kids, later daddy's gonna take y'all to get a sweet treat, as I used to do a lot more often pre-pandemic. If I, if I promise them that, but, but don't tell them when exactly later is, they will bug me relentlessly, right? They will get on my last nerves until I finally fulfill my sweet treat promise. Some of y'all know all day long I'll hear, Daddy, when we going? Daddy, is it time yet? Daddy, you know, we sure could use something sweet right about now, right? All day long this will go on until I finally fulfill my sweet treat promise. Now understand, if I had never made my children a promise in the first place, then they would have never hounded me about it. Likewise, if I would have promised them something, but had over time developed a track record of not keeping my promises, then my promise probably would have gone in one ear and out the other. Furthermore, if I, if I would have promised them something that they didn't actually believe their father had the ability to provide for them, then my promise probably would have been ignored. But because I did make my children a promise, and because I do have a track record with my children for keeping my promises, and because they know that I have the ability, the, the means to get that sweet treat that I promised, then my children's constant crying out of when is not calling my ability, dependability, nor credibility into question. Rather, their cry is actually a sign. It's a reflection, a testament to their confidence and eager expectation of the fulfillment of their father's sweet treat promise. Just like my children, the psalmist knows that his heavenly father is a sweet promise making and a sweet promise keeping 
kind of God. He knows that the Lord has the ability to bring his promises to pass whenever he pleases. And that's exactly why, brothers and sisters, he agonizes as he waits in the dark for God's promises to be fulfilled. Brothers and sisters, you and I know this morning, even in a way that the psalmist couldn't all the way, that the Lord is indeed a promise-keeping God. Because, see, we have the privilege of knowing how the Father has kept his promises once and for all for us through his Son, Jesus Christ. See, unlike the psalmist who lived many, many years before the revelation of Jesus, we today have the privilege of standing on the other side of the miraculous incarnation and perfect life and sacrificial death and triumphant resurrection of Jesus. We have the privilege, brothers and sisters, of being able to look back to what Jesus has already done to secure God's promises for us. And therefore, we can be even more confident, confident in God's promise to give us a future life, an eternal life, freed forever from all the darkness we experience in this life. And we also know that as we walk through those dark times in this life, that there's not a crevice of darkness that we'll ever experience that Jesus doesn't understand. Brothers and sisters, Jesus knows your darkness better than you ever will because Jesus experienced that midnight of darkness when he hung on the cross, absorbing the dark darts of the Father's wrath for your dark sins and for mine. And so that's why, brothers and sisters, that old hymn can declare that there's not a friend in our darkness like the lowly Jesus. No, not one. No, not one. Because Jesus knows all about our struggles. Amen? And he is faithful to guide us until our dark days are done. Jesus is faithful, brothers and sisters, to comfort and to guide us through our valleys until that great day when Jesus returns to make the valleys no more. And until that day, brothers and sisters, our assurance that that day will surely come one day means that we can today keep it real with the Lord in our prayers. We can keep it desperate. We can keep it honest. And we can keep it determined. All because we can keep it confident in what Jesus has done and what Jesus is doing and what Jesus is promised to do for us. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have given us permission to keep it real with you in the dark valleys of life. So help us, Holy Spirit, to do that. Help us, Holy Spirit, to, to keep it real more faithfully with all the desperation and, and honesty and determination and confidence in Jesus and the future hope he has secured for us. Father, we know that even right now, the only reason we have access into your presence to pray is because you have opened up that path straight to your throne through the torn body of your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ on the cross. And so it is in his name, in Jesus' name, and in his name alone we pray. Amen.